0: Anyway, so in conclusion, rabies probably going to kill you, but maybe not.
1: But you don't want to find out.
0: Exactly. syphilis is bad, and I shouldn't get it. And the gratuitous violence towards women and sex in Game of Thrones is overdone in the TV series.
1: Yes. Yes. There we go. We've summed it all up. Good podcast, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So about them ruins, then. (laughs) It's barely on topic. A podcast for Boston Bruins fans. by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely On Topic, where our pre-show has been very, very off-topic about a great many things. With the, with a the reasonably consistent through thread, though. So, like you know, we're not we're not completely out of out of whack. <laughs> no, I thought it was a great conversation that went I I on. For about an hour. <laughs> yeah. had, had my coffee. We were chatting.
0: Felt like we were hanging out at a coffee shop.
1: Yeah. We, we were like, we were yeah. outraged. We were happy. We looked at lots of pictures of Adam Driver. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I did that. I learned about the many tattoos that the Mastodon lead singer wears. I also did that. Yeah. Yes. We talked about systemic racism and and and, it, and it, how terrible it is. And I know just saying it that way just is glossing it over. Trust me, it was a great conversation. We were very angry. So mm-hmm. uh, we are anti-systemic racism. Just wanted to let you know about that anti-racism, but anti-systemic racism. So yeah. So so I'm VA. <laughs> i'm here with jeff yo and nick hi there we go <laughs> all i can think of is nicholas don't get syphilis
0: i mean good words to live by really uh can anyone say that's bad advice
1: it is not bad advice it is very good advice so I'm sorry. That was a conversation that was from last night that bled into today. So no more in-jokes. Let's talk about the Bruins. We're actually going to start out on topic now. The Boston Bruins, since the trade deadline, they went on a six-game win streak, which was fantastic. And then... Uh, things kind of fell apart a little bit on Friday night. I mean, like, with three games in a row in Buffalo,
2: that was inevitable. I had it already circled. It's like, they will lose this game.
0: You you did call that (laughs) two weeks ago. You did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not complaining. The six-game win streak was, like, the best of the season. And, like, even the loss. They they did, did, apparently, I didn't, I wasn't watching anymore by that point.
2: Yes, I, of course, turned it off when it went up to 5-1. Um, they still, like, you know, almost made it a game. Mm-hmm. So.
1: <laughs> they got scoring from people that, if you had asked me, are these guys going to score a goal tonight or be any part of a goal? I would have said no.
2: I was going to say, like, Camphor and, and, like, did Miller score into one of the ones I didn't see?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Camphor had a three point night, guys. He had a goal and two assists. Miller had a goal and he also. Yeah. Uh, you know. <sighs> Uh, the the only problem I had with Friday night's game. Well, there are two problems I had with Friday night's game. Okay, one when Tuca is not on, boy is he not on, right? So that's that's the first problem, because Tuca was uh, even strength twenty two for twenty five. Power plays, he was two for three. Uh, so he was twenty four for twenty eight for that night. He had a point uh, eight five seven. Save percentage was not good, and he was only on the ice for 41 minutes and 14 seconds. And then Yarrow Halak made his first appearance in forever. I didn't even know he was the backup that night, but he was. He had a he was 0. 0.800 for the night. Uh, as I f- said, I turned off right when he gave up a goal almost very
2: so soon after taking the net. I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs>
1: These guys, uh, they didn't have it that night and that's okay. I mean, like, they also didn't have
2: Bergeron that night.
1: That was my second point. My second point (laughs) was this team without Bergeron looks scary.
2: Yeah, and it was really showed because, like, Charlie Coyle is not up to the challenge of first-line deployment. I thought maybe Pasta and Marshy, because Marshy's, you know, having a masterful season would be able to drag him around and it just wasn't happening.
1: No, I don't understand why they didn't just move Kraychie up there.
2: I mean, I get it. They don't, they want to keep, keep building the the, the chemistry on the hall Kraychie Smith line. And mm-hmm. again, the reasoning that the reasoning there of course is that Marshawn and Pasternak should be better equipped to float an inferior center than hall and Smith.
1: Okay. Basically, I think if you have either one of those two things happening where you either have Tuukka Rask having a bad night uh, or Patrice Bergeron being out, you can get through that game. But when you have both of them, that's bad. I think that's the takeaway from that game. Let's see. Hey, Rask did have an assist on the first oh. goal, on camphor's goal. But basically,
3: yeah,
1: Hall got a goal. Richie got a goal. Krejci assisted, but he didn't get a goal. And there was nothing from the top line. The top line was just out of it. Um. So, yeah, you would expect more. But, you know, yet today I was watching pregame live, which was at 1130. It was Felger on the main NBC station talking to Tony Amante, who happens to be Charlie Coyle's cousin. But he did not mention oh, that during the, because the broadcast. Because
2: all Bostonian hockey players are related to one another. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So and he <laughs> said, and he said, he's like, the problem with Charlie is that he's always passed first. He's great along the wall, mm-hmm. but it's like he he's so pass first, he's not taking enough shots.
2: And then you add into the fact that his current wingers are someone... could simply just doesn't take shots anymore, and Richie, who taking shots has never been his thing, it's cleaning up the mess from other people's shots.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Which is how he got a
0: goal. Uh,
1: yeah. night. <laughs> right, right. He's not being served by his line right now. Will... DeBrusque stop being an anchor? No. No, he won't.
2: This is what he is, and I can't believe that so many people, including the Bruins Brass, seem to refuse to acknowledge that. He has been this for more time than he was the previous DeBrusque.
1: They did not say that on the TV show, but the whole time they were talking about DeBrusque, I didn't hear anything to me that said anything other than, he's the anchor, like you just put him down and he sinks the line. He, he, here's what it was. DeBrusque
2: was, was old DeBrusque. He was old DeBrusque for his rookie and his sophomore season, and not even his whole sophomore season, because basically after the cadre hit, he sucked. And then he never got good again at any point. So now we are coming up on two calendar years that he's been bad. No, we are at two calendar years now. It's just, it's a, yeah. Which makes it actually less time than he was good. You know what? It was what they should have done, and I said it at the time, is cut bait a year ago like they ended up doing with Heinen, which, like, they got, out of, they, they got out of that poor investment at the right time.
1: As a Heinen fan, I'll happily say that now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it strikes me as, like, you know, like the, the guys that we wanted to see stuff from, from DeBrusque, from Bjork, from Heinen, like, Heinen could put it together in spurts. Bjork, at times, looks good, but he spends way more time not looking good. He looks better with
2: Buffalo now, but that's probably just because he's getting stupid minutes because who the fuck else is going to play him?
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? <laughs> It would burn my ass if I got traded. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it burn your ass if you got traded? Well, and you know, here's the thing. Other guys we've given up on went on
2: heaters right after the trade. Spooner, Donato, Heinen. None of them stayed that. Yeah. They went on heaters for the remainder of that season after going out at the deadline. And that was the
0: end of it. The only guy who's kind of been like, oh, it's taken him a while. But uh, uh, Donato's sort of having a... Decent, he's fine. He's, just, he's yeah. unlike
2: the others, he's unambiguously an NHLR, whereas like there's still a lot of questions at this stage about both Bjork and Heinen. And of yep. course, well Spooner is well not an NHLR any longer, right. so
1: <laughs> poor spoons. I hope you're doing something fun somewhere. Getting back to Debrusque. We expect a lot out of him. When? When is the time to say goodbye? Here's the thing is they waited too long now. Yeah,
2: I agree. They're, they're not gonna get fuck all for him. Like they they made like in all the other cases, the team managed to figure out, somehow managed to figure out that they weren't worth the time before other teams did, or in the case of Bjork just like happened to be able to a strong arm Kevin Adams. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's because his first ask was a no. <laughs> <laughs> and Don Sweeney said, "Sure, why not in this one?" <laughs>
2: No one's like, actually, how about I just give you whatever I find in the top drawer of my desk that I cleaned out yesterday?
1: <laughs> All right. I've got a stick of gum, a paperclip, and Anders Bjork. <laughs> and some odd rock. Do you want that
2: too? <laughs> and like, a, oh, 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 half a chapstick.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think I might want to keep that.
2: Chapstick. I think I might have just picked it up off the floor of my office, but like
1: <laughs> it's
2: always so choose your own adventure, but
1: <laughs> What kind is it
2: though? Is it cherry? It's
0: berry, berry cherry. No,
2: no. I mean I wouldn't keep I n I wouldn't keep anything short of Bert's Bees myself, but who knows about <laughs> Don Sweeney's taste in chapstick?
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm asking as Kevin Adams, like is it cherry? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we can make it, Cherry. You got yourself a deal. <laughs> Don's like, puts on the
2: phone. He ho- ho- hollers to, to Ferguson, JFJ, you got
1: some cherry chapstick? I need it now, quick! <laughs> <laughs> Run across to the Seven Eleven and get one.
0: <laughs> get the chapstick before its ELC uh, expires.
2: <laughs> what do you mean you don't have one? Well, fuck, ask Nadeau then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> As You know what? I tried Burt's Bees and it was fine. But there's another one that I like to use. It, it does a lot more moisturizing. It's like uh, Biggs and Featherworth. Wow. That's a
0: lot for
2: Sounds like, I don't know, like a, a British, a, a, a British haberdashery yeah. with the name like that. <laughs> it true. does.
1: It does. It does. But it's bergamot. Bergamot scented.
2: So it's literally a British haberdashery then. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I like that. But now I'm th- thinking about it. I'm like, oh, my lips are really dry right now. But eh, uh, I'll go do them later. I said at the beginning of the year, beginning of the season, I said there was no upgrade at second line left wing because Jake Debruska is still here and they expect things of him and he is not doing it. I mean, I didn't say that part, but I, I said it now, uh, you know. He's not doing it.
2: Anyone that writes about the expansion and says Romans are almost certainly protecting DeBrusque, I'm like, like I'm not saying any, that many other guys are more worthy of than DeBrusque, but like, expose DeBrusque. That's bait. Yeah. I would expose him in a heartbeat. Because you know what? That guarantees that you don't lose anyone else because like, even if he's washed, like Seattle would be insane not to take a shot at it.
1: Yeah. You're picking it up literally for nothing. It co- does not cost
2: you. And honestly there isn't gonna be any I don't think there's gonna be anyone that's exposed that's like that much more appealing. Unless like you really think that much about Trent Frederick or Nick Ritchie or the corpse of Andre Kasha.
1: Yeah, generally I'm not into zombies in that way.
2: Yeah, so like, I think it's a no brainer, right? Like you can make something out of some of those other guys. Maybe not cut well, Kasha, he's not they're not gonna take him anyway. But Debrusk is what he is and it's not much. Yep, and honestly, this is the part that stings because this is the part we thought of the 2015 first round that worked out, and clearly, it's it's as big
0: it's as big a failure as the other picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah that that's a that's a bummer draft.
1: Well, for the first for the first round, you did get Brandon Carlo did in round. Two second. out
2: of three being definitely NHLers in the second round, Ladar in the third. Hughes mm, okay. could still be a thing. He's had a good season in the in, in the AHL, so it's not a wash. But like, still, Ugh.
1: yeah. So I think it's it's just really frustrating because we we do have pieces that work obviously on this team. Uh, that third line. I feel bad for Charlie Coyle. He's
2: I mean, but Coyle's had an awful season on his own.
1: Yeah, he's got to make more of his season. He does.
2: He's, he's gone through a lot of wingers, some of whom are doing really well elsewhere in the lineup now. So, like, let's face it, this this year, Coyle is unambiguously part of the problem. He isn't a victim. It's just being made worse by the nature of his line mates. Richie, who is a power play specialist, and DeBrusque, who is, I don't know, a Dorito specialist
0: or something.
1: <laughs> a Coke enthusiast. I still
0: think there's hope for DeBrusque as a third liner. I always kind of viewed him as a second liner who really shouldn't have been there, but... He's, he's 24 going on 25. There's still hope for him to be a decent third-line winger. You know, it's a bummer you spend a first-round draft pick
2: on a... Sweetie is rolling him quite a bit on the penalty kill,
0: actually. Yeah. So, so I, I'm not ready to write DeBrusque off. Excuse me. Of DeBrusque.
3: Um,
0: <laughs> here's the problem
2: with DeBrusque. Hang on, I'm going to bring it up because this, this is the biggest issue. It's what his QO next year is going to be. His base salary, he has a QO of of 485 next year because that's his salary.
0: Oh, I don't think he's worth that.
2: No, no. And that's a problem. That's a problem actually a lot of teams have been having with the bridge contracts. It's one Mm -hmm. of the problems like Columbus has with line A right now is his QO is colossal.
1: Mm -hmm. I wanted to say that I do have hope for Jake DeBrusk of Brusque as a third liner on another team. I don't think (laughs)
2: it's happening here. And I don't. I'm just sick of the experience. Like, flip him for, flip them for someone that can play third line right wing. Just get it done. I mean, it's not happening now, obviously, because we're after the deadline. But like, I mean, there's no. We already know there's almost no scenario both Richie and and DeBrusque are on the team come come this fall. So
0: to me, it's one of them is clearly going to get picked up by Seattle. Like, there's one of them will be exposed. Yeah, and looking at who else could be exposed. I, if I'm Seattle, I'm, t- I'm taking one of those guys. Unless you think you can make something
2: out of Lausanne. And... It depends on what other defensemen yeah. are available, is the case yeah, there. Yeah,
0: it's true. If you're if you're going for the best player right away, I'm I'm picking a player other than Lausanne. Lausanne. I'm picking...
1: It, it'll be really fascinating to find out what happens when everybody makes their yeah. protected lists available and we figure all this stuff out. I'm sure there are hockey people who, who will analyze that stuff very well for us so we can kind of pick over that but it's hard to say what somebody will take from this team what they would want to take sure we know that but what they can take and will take that's another thing but i i don't think that uh, friday night's loss is is it's not the end of the world i, I worry about has anybody seen if patrice is uh, if burry is available to, today i haven't
2: seen any roster projections yet
0: yeah because i want to know who's backing up uh, oh okay Breaking news: Cassidy will be a game time decision. We'll go out for warm ups. Um, Cassidy?
2: Cassidy says. Cassidy says.
0: Yeah. Oh, that burger. Yeah. Okay. That is. Of course, if you go on Twitter right now, every single Boston reporter is saying that. that, uh, Saying that. By the way, that's the funny thing about. Totally aside, when something minor newsworthy breaks, I follow like every Boston writer. My Twitter timeline is nothing but the same information 20 times over. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I saw it from a uh, first from, from Connor Ryan, but sure other people are tweeting it out as well. Yep. Yeah, there, there it goes.
2: It's like, boom, Connor. he's like Con- Connor Ryan, Emily Benjamin, yeah. like, uh, Aaron Mar- uh, uh, Maranovsky keeps going. All of them the exact same verbatim tweet. They don't even like add their own color to it. They're just no. transcribing.
1: <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I had to scroll down about 25 tree, uh, tweets before I could get to anything hockey related. And it's not by anybody I follow. And I'm still going. and I'm not finding any hockey because it's all full of animals. Good. So Patrice is a, a game time decision that's better than being out. I, of course, would like him in because they're playing with Penguins today. And that is uh, serious business. Game. Yeah, serious business. So I would, I would like him to be in. So the big news today also, Swayman. Swayman starting. Who's the backup? That's what I want to know.
2: Honestly, I know what I suspect to see for the rest of the regular season is Halaka could just be like the backup in every game. And it just, <laughs> whether Rask or Swayman's a scratch may be the way to do
3: that.
1: Yeah, because there's no roster exemption anymore, right? So it's like, uh, exactly. as long as you're cap compliant, you can have as many people as you want on there. Because like, I mean, Halak is not the guy
2: that gives you the best shot of winning anymore, but like... Being a backup goaltender is a skill and unto itself, right?
1: I mean, <laughs> he's really fallen off the cliff this year, but it also hasn't helped that the team in front of him is also shit the bed in so I mean, many... he's also
2: in his late 30s now, too, so like...
1: Yes, yes. So uh, that's why it was good that it was a one-year deal.
0: And Jeff, that's exactly why I was going to... Uh, I was curious to see who the backup is, because I had a feeling... Well, I, I think I made my thoughts known through, through a, a, a messenger last week that... Yeah, the the Bruins really should swing with uh, Swayman and, and Tuca as their starters for the remainder of the year.
1: Yes, and you know what Jeff and Tim decided? They what? disagreed with you.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, but then I watched this week unfold and thought about it some more, and, like, some bigger names than you were thinking that, like Ty wrote something to that effect a couple yeah. days ago. Like, his title was, like, Is Swayman
0: Stealing Someone's Job?
1: And then Hags, <laughs> Hags agreed with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that... So in a in a, our uh, Twitter thread when uh, we we, we discussed hockey privately, VA said Nick uh, Hags agrees with you, and my uh, instant reply to that was "fuck shit." No, excuse me, "shit fuck shit fuck." <laughs> 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 you don't typically want to agree with Hags, but um, I I think I'm a, I'm I'm glad someone agrees with me.
1: Well, I think that Hags when Hags says something that seems to be of your mindset, it it just means that. It's the obvious choice.
0: Yeah. I had to well, think about, like, am Am I, like, caught up in the moment? Like, am I just, like, a, am I a Tuca hater? I'm um, like, no, I want Tuca two stars. Although, yeah, yeah, what it is is you, you
2: when you take it, when you have a take on goaltending, like, if it's the least bit, like, controversial, Hags is going to agree with you eventually, statistically speaking.
1: <laughs>
2: not for, and remember, but not for good reasons, usually.
1: I think that Nick was ahead of his time last week when he made this prediction apropos of nothing, just mm-hmm. based on a very small sample size. And Rask, he had come back for a game, but you never yeah. know, right? So it's like you said that. So you, you were first guard on this. You, yeah. you said this, and then everybody came away to, around to your way of thinking. So then it became an obvious thought. So congratulations for Thank thinking you. ahead of everybody else last week. Yeah. But also, while we're talking about that, we wanted to get some clarification on something. Because you did write to us that you said, uh, uh, Riley was not the best player traded, but the most impactful. Bruins needed D-men so bad, and he was so good. This could be the best mid-season trade Sweeney has done. So we we wanted to get your... Okay, we interpreted this differently. Jeff and Tim interpreted it as, initially, as, like, you were talking about the Riley trade itself. Whereas I was thinking, like, oh, you meant, like, all that whole trade sequence with, like, Hall, Lazar, and and Riley. So what did you because mean? Because
2: if it's the former, I, I disagree. And mm-hmm. if it's the latter, I agree.
0: So right. I definitely think it's the, of the, the, I I, I, just, I he, he, so we needed two trades. Right. Um, I, I say mid-season, the only clarification I would say, I would say, Really, this is, I guess, end season trade deadline, not off season trade. Right, is right. What I was uh, trying to say. So, of the three players he acquired in two deals, the Riley trade will definitely have the most, uh, the the biggest impact there. I'm looking at, and this is me, my, my hot take. I I do think potentially this could be a a bigger the his best trade, better than the. I just forgot his name, Johansson. I was going to say, Coil was the one that I was saying was the better one. Those were pretty monumental. Although the the Coil trade doesn't look as good right now because, but like at
2: field. the time, it it, it it restructured how the entire team played at the yeah. time. Sort of like what Riley, Riley and Hall, which honestly both of them and, and also Lazar across the board seem to have. Right, so that's. I don't think you can point to any one of them having completely restructured how this team plays. mm
0: -hmm. Whereas with Coyle, you could. Right, Mm. right. The only thing I will add to my argument is acquiring a defenseman is very hard to do. And because there's there's less defensemen on a team, they'll have a greater impact. The Bruins' greatest need this season was, unfortunately for them, the position that's hardest to acquire, a good player. And he got a good player for Nada. Yep, it's a steal. Like, it, it and it just kind of is going under the radar. I, I now after I said that, of course, the Athletic writes a piece about Riley. But I, I'm like, like Boston sports writers, like, okay, yes, Hall's a huge name, former MVP, but he's he's a winger. So he, we acquired a second line winger. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, we got a, a fourth line center, which makes our fourth line good again. Very nice. But we have a defenseman who doesn't suck and makes our team immediately better, no matter if he plays on the first or third pairing or second. You know,
1: stretch passes. Yeah, finds a lane. I love Although that.
0: He,
1: yeah. Defensively, though, ooh, he he had some he had some trouble this week, but. Yeah. Well, when Carlo gets back, you'll have Carlo to babysit him. That's exactly it. Because, you know, today, even on that that pregame show that they showed, Amante is saying, put Kevin Miller and Carlo together. I'm like, why? You put them on the the penalty kill. I agree. We only have three actual NHL
2: caliber right right defensemen. Why on earth would you pair them?
1: Right, Mm -hmm. right. I'm like, no, Riley and Carlo make sense because Riley can really stretch that puck up the ice. And you got Carlo to clean up his defensive Mm -hmm. shit. Like, I'm not
2: stoked about a
1: Lozon Miller third pairing, but like,
2: that could play some
1: hard minutes. I mm-hmm. look, I that was what I suggested too, because I'm, I'm sitting here in disbelief listening to these guys. And I'm like, and so Glenn goes, Well, who would you put on the third pair with Miller? I'm like, Lozon, that's who I would yeah. put there. I, I that seems obvious to me. Big mean pairing, like. That'll make people cry. Yeah, the only <laughs> thing I worry about that uh, that pairing is that Lozon takes some really dumb penalties. So that's the only thing I worry about. That that's a Lozon problem, not a third pairing problem. But anyway, I think Don Sweeney again has shown that while other GMs have to get really fancy with how they do things. Right? Remember, there was one player who they got seventy-five percent salary retention from two teams. To get him to go where he was, I was that was that um,
2: It happened with both Savard
1: and and
2: with Foligno, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So GMS had to do that, and like a lot of times, you know, we complain about GMS who like seemingly circumvent the cap, you know, by say, oh, I don't know, Nikita Kucherov conveniently needed s- a surgery when he did, and then he doesn't play the full season, but he'll be back for the playoffs, so they get to take his nine point five million. And put it on LTIR. And then they get to do a bunch of, of stuff. And look, I'm not saying that that's exactly what happened. I said seemingly. Okay. I know that Kudrov really validly needed surgery. I do think they be pussyfooted
2: around for too long before he had the surgery. Specifically to, to, to plant his recovery yeah. in the playoffs.
1: Right. So that <laughs> is a circumvention of sorts. So, so what I'm trying to say is this. Don Sweeney, I always get like, I, I'm just like, look at what these jams are doing. Look at this. Like, these guys are like playing these like really intense chess games. And then it's like, Don Sweeney's like, yeah, I can make this all work. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to make a trade and no one's going to expect me to do it. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to make them keep half the salary on that guy. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm also going to take another player in that deal. I'm going to give them Anders Bjork.
2: Honestly, like how Sweeney keeps getting retention without actually giving up extra assets because it happened with the NAT with the Rick Nash trade. No, not the Rick Nash. No, that was that was a catastrophe. What was I thinking? Johansson, mm-hmm. he didn't give up any extra assets for that. It just he says, like, yeah, I asked them to, yeah. And, they,
1: and then Sharo said, yes, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> and that's the thing that's really amazing is like it just sounds like it's a simple ask, and I'm like, what? I mean it makes sense that it would be like they remember cuz it's all prorated
2: so like these these teams are you're buying them from non-competitive teams they got the cap space to burn um it's not a lot of money because it's all prorated for the amount of season that's left so they're not actually committing to to paying that much cash left
1: yep yep no no I mean it's it's amazing it really is it's super amazing to me that's all um that you know it's like you've got Sackett and Iserman and all these other people doing this this Multi-level, like you know, super busy calculation stuff, and then you know Don Sweeney's like, mm, I could just get it done between us. Mm-hmm. It's fine. So it, it's it's good. It's good. I I, I criticized Don Sweeney a lot. I'm still a little mad at him for some things. That's fine. That's between me and me because he's not going to listen to me on that. So <laughs> me myself mm. and I that we have to deal with it.
0: Going back to my original argument, it's hard to argue against the coil trade because the Bruins made it to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final that year. Yeah. But in terms of an immediate return on investment, I, I like this Riley deal so much. Yep. Um, he was also going to be a player I suggested the Bruins sign in the off season. I mentioned two weeks ago, like, oh, I have an offseason plan. It was actually signing Riley and then oh, they traded for him um, this year. He'll probably demand a lot in the free market, though, uh, on restricted free agency.
1: I don't think he will because he's he's got he's got the offensive aspect to his game, but he's very sloppy in his zone. Yeah, but the left D
2: market's pretty lean.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it was at the deadline, and it's even more so. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I think I think Sweeney could get it done. Yeah, and if he doesn't get it done, I'm not going to be like heartbroken. So, Seattle takes DeBrusque. That's
0: um, three-point-something off the cap. I mean, the team's not exactly strapped for cap, for, for
2: cap funds this summer anyway, especially because, um, like, if they re-sign Krejci and Rask,
0: they're both probably coming in around the 4 yeah. to 4.5 yeah. mark. You, gotta, you have to plan for McAvoy's big extension in a season or two. Uh, yeah, that's one year out. Yeah, so, so that's the only thing you really got uh, a lot of money for but still if you sign Rask and create you to one year deals you still got the room when um McElboy comes uh knocking for more cash and uh well for
2: what it's worth there is one large contract that ends after next season as well but let's let's not talk about that one
1: no i don't want to talk about it right now we don't need to talk about <laughs> it right now okay not we're not talking about that so um <laughs>
0: Oh, you were, nope, we're talking nope, about nope, Barcov's
1: nope, nope. deal uh, in Florida. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, let's switch gears a little bit. I mean, I don't want to concentrate too much on the, the, the week's games, although I do want to mention that, well, there were a couple of fun things to talk about, like the Caps game on Sunday. Mm. I, I remember saying, I feel pretty good about this game. Yeah, the Bruins won 6-3. to three. Yeah. Uh, and what was really great about that game was we had – two goal efforts from both Krejci and Bergie, Right?
2: Also Marshy too. And Marshy.
1: But Marshy on his final his final one the empty net goal Pasta like basically dove to get that puck out of the zone and towards Marshy who was up the ice and Marshy was looking around but couldn't find Bergie, and so what do you do? Well, you you get the empty net goal, which is exactly mm-hmm. what it did. Uh, you you score, and so then he turned around and he's like, "I was looking for you to Bergie when Bergie came to hug him, yeah. and it was just like,
3: oh."
2: Honestly, I wish the team would try harder to get Krejci his hat trick because, like, a Krejci hat trick—that's that's not a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would have loved to have seen that, but there were there were opportunities, and and he just yeah uh, he was not. Uh I don't. I mean, know. a two
2: goal game from Krejci is is mind boggling event on its own, right? Because it's just not how things go.
1: Well, I mean, he was having such a, a tough scoring season because he was saddled with an anchor. I mean, and he, he was still his his assist count had not been awful, right? No, but he wasn't scoring, so we expect some goals from Krejci. Just it took a long time for him to get the first goal. Now he's up to six. Six. Okay. Yeah, he didn't score on that uh, on Friday, so six. One thing I want to say about Tuesday night's game. Tuesday night's game was notable for a couple of reasons. One, it was Tuca's first shutout of the season. It was a, you know, it was 2-0. Not not a a barn burner by any means. You know, uh, Tuca had been in 18 games and got his first uh, shutout of the year. So that was... The, the notable thing. But the, the most notable thing after that was Buffalo screwing up all is uh, screwing up, you know, so much in, in the final period where, uh, where the Bruins were just like, let's give you penalties. Like, let's give you power play opportunities. Like, let's do stupid things. Because Richie and Lozon both got penalties at the, uh, you know, not at the same time, but within the time frame of each other. So B- Buffalo had the opportunity to be five on three. Right. And mm-hmm. they had too many men because they, they pulled their goalie, So they had a sixth attacker out and they had too many men on the ice.
0: Seven skaters.
1: Yes. And I loved what Connor Ryan said because he goes, oh, it's a rare seven on three Buffalo blitz. <laughs> <laughs>
2: This team killed a fucking six-on-three this week.
0: Even against a team like, even if it's, I, I, yeah, it was Buffalo, but a six-on-three, that's, they literally have double the amount of skaters as you do. Incredible. By the way,
2: in fun stat, Bruins have have had four different goaltenders defeat the Sabres this year. <laughs> <laughs> Bring up Booth, make it five.
1: I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't, well, I don't know. Well, it's the Sabres, so maybe he could. <laughs> and you know, what, you know what happened Friday? I think the bros just felt like throwing um, Bucko uh, Pekka Luconin, his, his first NHL win in his first game, maybe, just like, they just felt like throwing this kid a bone. Oh, Why not? Pekka oh, my God, We still
1: play Buffalo two more times? Yes, we do.
2: It's because we never played them until like yeah. halfway through fucking February.
1: <laughs> I, I man, I love that name. So many K's. What a what a great name. Oh, so a... so extraordinarily Finnish. Yeah, and then uh, you know, I I did not know that this guy um, existed until he showed up in the game on Thursday. R two rotsolainen.
2: So like. We, all, we talked about how Finns are are, are are all Star Wars names. This guy's name's literally R2. R2. <laughs> R2 R2 <Rortulainen. laughs>
1: Like, and actually, <laughs> Ben calls him R2 D2 <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, I see this name and I'm like, this is not a real word, is it? And it's like, it's R-U-O-T-S-A-L-A-I-N-E-N. And I... I keep wanting to call him slut. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, it's slut guy. There's slut no guy. combination in there. Uh, uh, Rotsalinen. Oh, my God. Rotsalinen.
2: I'm checking his number. I really want it to be 22, but I know it's not going to be.
1: I want to say it's 43.
2: 25.
0: Missed opportunity, fucko.
1: <laughs> oh, I think needs,
0: like, Darth Vader on his mask. Missed opportunity.
1: Darth Ladar, yeah, dude. I mean, or you know, I, I could understand. Earth. Yes, it is Ladash. I could also understand not wanting to be tied to to the dark side, you know. So,
0: well, I mean, Hudobin, Doby, has Doby the house elf character, yeah, yep. character from uh, Why C- uh, Harry Potter. There we go. He's a wizard, um, and he had never seen the movies, so like, I think it's, I think it's okay. Of course, I guess Doby's A good guy in those movies. Yes. Okay.
1: Yep. I Um, watched a lot of. He was very sad. He was very sad. Oh damn!
0: Okay.
1: Of course, the other weirdest thing, goal
2: is to put characters on their on their helmets, though. Like, I mean, like your examples are like Peter Budai, who had Ned Flanders. Flanders. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Well, you know, I love that uh, Steve Mason had his uh, fellow teammates as uh, zombies on his mask. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Was that a
2: special like one-off mask, or was that a regular use one?
1: That was a regular use ma- one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because he liked The Walking Dead, so
0: He had all the Legos on his masks. Uh, was that is that uh, John Gibson?
1: Maybe I, I don't know. I haven't seen him too much. So
0: there's a guy at the house like had a, like Lego characters like from the Lego movie on his mask.
1: Mm.
0: And then um, someone had a Pac-Man stuff on his mask, too. Also.
1: Anyway. I'm surprised that Chad Johnson didn't have Ocho Cinco on his mask. That
0: would have been perfect. It yeah, really would have. He should oh, have okay. been... Uh,
1: well, John Gibson's current mask is not LEGO's.
0: It's it's the Pac-Man. Um, LEGO Movie Goalie mask. Oh, okay. Let's see if I can find that. Oh, my mistake... It was, it's, uh, Frederick Anderson when he was with Anaheim. Oh, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Like I knew like both of the players played like by my mind, I was like, both are wearing ducks jerseys. So, all right. Hey, that's,
1: that's, that's how our mind works. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. Yesterday on Twitter, Jen Goldbeck, who is a computer scientist, she's a, an academic, she's at the university of Maryland and she specializes in social media. Mm-hmm. OK, so she understands all those awful social media things like 4chan and all that. She does a lot of surveillance of that stuff and and studies it. She was saying, hey, when you get a code that you have to memorize, like a six digit code that you have to memorize to to authenticate your login and you can't just copy and paste it into something, how do you remember that? Right. And so oh, it's, this but... is a, this is an interesting way to, mm-hmm. to know how your brain works. And I, I was like, well, I'm just a normal person here. But what I usually like to do is break up the number into jersey numbers. Yes, exactly. Right. So it's like, for me, the number she put out was 82, 61, 75. So, so I'm like, oh, okay, there aren't too many hockey jerseys that are 82. I can't really, none that come up in my mind right away. So I go back to my 49ers fandom. And mm. I remember that John Taylor had a Pivotal catch in Super Bowl 23. So he's 82.
3: Yeah.
1: So then I'm like, okay, so Rick Nash is 61. Aren't mm-hmm. there are also not a huge amount of 61s that are memorable? And then because I, he currently is 75 on the Bruins, Connor Clifton. So that's how I remembered 82, 61, 75. And I'm just wondering, like, I know that everybody has a different way to do that. You know, like, I remember my locker combination from, uh, from the gym. As like uh, Brandon Carlo, Tyler Sagan, Zach Ronaldo. Yeah, I know Zach Ronaldo. It's gross, but Oopsie. I remember that number thirty six, right? So that's just how I remember these things. So, do you guys have any special ways to remember numbers?
0: Well, I do exactly what you do. Okay, that's also how I remember. Um, I, I've I've always been good at remembering dates extremely well. Mm-hmm. That's a trick I also use for remembering uh, dates.
1: Maybe I should employ that on dates so I can remember mm-hmm. things a little bit better because I uh, am terrible at dates.
0: And then I also, it, well, back when I was in bands a lot, I could remember what would happen based off of, again, using my hockey number remembering system. And I could like have, I could like recall like what I was wearing on days of uh, hockey games and gig dates just because I'm really weird, <laughs> but it all spurred... It all spun from using hockey players to remember numbers.
1: Hmm. Cool. And
0: why I also remember, like, 2011 so extremely well. Because, like, I can remember, like, what I w- did every single game day. It was weird. Hmm. Anyway.
1: Jeff is like, I don't want to be part of this conversation.
0: <laughs>
2: I have no system, and I'm awful at remembering player numbers.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. Like, I know it, but I forgot. Oh.
2: Like, just, just truly terrible.
1: Taylor Hall's number.
2: 71. 71, because it's weird and you just talked about it.
1: Uh, no, I, I actually didn't say Taylor Hall's number. I said Rick Nash.
2: You see, when you talked about, okay, maybe I was drifting in and out already, and I'd assumed I didn't like <laughs> mention Taylor Hall's number because it was similar.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it gets more complicated because I was like, do I do Taylor Hall minus 10? I'm like, that makes no sense. Just come up with a, a player number. Um, but yeah, okay. I'm sorry, Jeff.
2: I mean, like, I'll, like I'll remember some numbers. Like, I'll remember Mike Riley's number because it's a because it's the Craig cursed perfect. insert defenseman here number. <laughs>
1: yep, six, six. Yeah, uh, Glenn was like, I don't do any of that. I just remember the number.
0: I just memorize
1: it, and he's like, "I'm fairly good at memorizing numbers." He's an engineer; that makes sense. <laughs> four to six digits long, and I'm like, "I get that." I said, "I'm like that too," but I've always employed some kind of mnemonic for me to remember things. Like my brother's old phone number was o four one six, the last digits, and I I was like, uh, "I mean, before it was o four one three, and then they changed it to o four one six because they were getting harassment uh, from like people, not not corporations, not creditors or anything. It's just people were harassing them. So they changed their phone number. So when it was 0413, I went Oprah Winfrey, 0413, (laughs) right? And then when they changed it to 0416, I was like, Oprah wants sex. (laughs) 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 So, you know, I, I, so I've always done this, this form. It it makes sense to me. I can remember these things, right? Like uh, I had a, a, a friend Who's uh, who? I used to remember their phone number as Umi Taifu. These are not real words, but I remember the number that way. You know,
0: isn't Umi Taifu? uh, Doesn't he post brewing clips on Twitter and YouTube?
1: (laughs) But anyway, okay, that was just a a quick aside. Let's talk really quickly about the seventh player award. And then I know that Jeff and Nick, you wanted to have a conversation about something that I'm going to learn a whole lot about in a little bit. Okay. Seventh player award. I have not voted on this in a couple of years and mostly because I, I don't care. Like I'll say what, who I think should be the seventh player here, but I don't vote on it because I just, and it
2: never goes to someone that actually fits the court, the core criteria. It's it's it's, 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 it's people voting for the, for the new hotness. It's what it usually is.
1: Right. For some reason, it sounds like it could be a Beck song. Uh
0: I I just started singing Sweetness um, by that one band.
1: With a little bit of sweetness. Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, there you go. Jimmy Eat World.
0: Uh, (laughs) NHL 2003. Thank you very much. Um,
1: I I saw a tweet this week that made me go, oh, fuck this shit. What, What the hell is this? This is so dumb so so dumb like i don't oh god so i, I don't really want to c- talk about who we think should be seven player we can talk about that if you want really quickly Meh. <laughs> i'm not voting on it you guys probably aren't voting on it or maybe you are i don't know there are ways to get around it i mean just say that your your provider is xfinity and there you go that's right because um, that's the big one here although you could do the Waitsfield uh, cable company which would be hilarious because oh, we, we actually know, we know somebody who lives in Waitsfield. So that's really funny. So anyway, my point is, I wanted to talk about the eligibility because in previous years, every player was eligible. And I don't know how long they've been doing this certain thing where they've only made certain players of, uh, eligible. But it seems suspicious to me that, you know... That they're trying to curate the vote a little bit, I guess we'll say, because they don't want David Posternock, who would not win it this year, but he, you know, they don't want him winning the award when, well, we expect a lot out of him. And I don't understand the eligibility requirements. All right. So I'm going to read off a list. You guys have the list in front of you. So that's fine. But the list is of, of eligible seventh player award winners potential. Uh, award, award winners. It is Brandon Carlo, Connor Clifton, Trent Frederick, Matt Grislick, Yaro Halak, Stephen Kamper, Jeremy Lausanne, Kevin Miller, Nick Ritchie, Zach Seneshin, Oscar Steen, Jared Tenorti, Daniel Vladash or Dan Blader, um Jakob Zaborl, Curtis Lazar, Mike Riley, and Jeremy Swayman. There's there's several
2: layers of things that don't make any sense here.
1: Yes. And that's why I wanted to talk about this.
2: The one that jumps off the page, of course, is Sinitian and Steen being on the ballot at all. Right. Steen played, what, three games?
1: A very short amount of time, yes.
2: Sinitian did not play much more.
1: Yep. I very I remember Sinishin more than I do Steen, because Sinishin at least had a really good game.
2: Yeah. And then, like, there's also some other names on here that I just don't really know what they're doing here, although I would argue, yes, they exceeded expectations, like Camper well, and
0: Tenorti. Let me further kind of stir the pot a little bit. I mean, I'm looking at the, uh, the official language of the 7th Player Award, but to you guys... What is the 7th player award?
1: I think it's the award that the fans vote for as the the player that surpassed expectations for for the year. So basically my expectations were this and I feel right. like or, or for these players and then I felt like this one player was better than I expected. So yeah. that's right. why I I and, would have said and, and, uh, that's why I would have said Nick Ritchie because I didn't this expect why I would say a top 6 top
2: pairing starting goaltender, and rookies all shouldn't be considered realistic entries.
0: Well, according to Nessun, the seventh player award is given each year to the unsung hero on the team, the player that works hard every day for the good of the team without any exception to be recognized. So that, to me, is very different than what... I was
2: going to say, why don't they just call it the Patrice Bergeron uh, um, Award for Excellence in Being Patrice Bergeron?
0: so i don't know that if scenario. this language is just you know
1: how wait a minute how am i supposed to determine that i'm not on the team right like yeah that's a
2: lot of like locker room uh, locker room inside baseball stuff that w- w- would inform how you determine some of that
1: yeah i felt like my definition was a reasonable definition well, that, and that, that's, that's the one
0: i've always used again that's like the one that's been described to me by jack edwards you know, every other and, game for the past 10 and, years. And, and that's sort of what has created
2: an issue this year, where I look at this team and it's like, well, the people that were supposed to deliver mostly have or haven't. And everyone else just sort of showed up. <laughs> like, I, would, I wouldn't, I would I don't think I'd, I'd give an award to anyone this year. I got a couple names that I'm like, okay, sure, fine, why not? But like, on the whole, I would just take a mulligan.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I can see your arguments for Kevin Miller, because he rose from the dead.
2: No one had any expectations for Kevin Miller at all. And he's been, when he's on the ice, great. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the other one, the only other one I would even entertain would be Richie.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I would say Richie because I expected literally nothing. Based on what I saw last year, I was like, I don't expect anything from this guy. And right off the bat, he's scoring goals down dirty goals uh, net front. You know, he's he's fallen off. He's falling off pace. I it's guess
2: both of them are going to be victim of recency bias.
1: Of course. And especially recency virus, uh, virus, <laughs> recency bias. <laughs> it should be called the recency virus, but the recency bias of the fact that you have Lazar and Riley on this list. They've been here for two weeks. And if you're going to do that, why isn't Hall on the list? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> it, Hall Yeah, he should be a superstar, but he really had a shitty year in Buffalo. So were you expecting a huge amount? Uh, So I I don't know. And like, strictly speaking, even some of
2: our top line players and top pairing defensemen have far exceeded at realistic expectations. I don't think anyone expected a Norris season the first year sans Chara out
0: of McAvoy.
1: No, no, no. Did you
0: really, Nick? No, yeah. I kind of was like... (laughs) Okay, even though, don't get me wrong, like, I was sad to see Chara go, I was like, okay, at least McAvoy can be free now. But I didn't think he'd be this good the first okay, year right. without yeah. him. I, I did say, like, okay, I my thought was, like, all right, within three years, he'll be a Norris candidate. Yeah. yeah, the problem with, with
1: McAvoy is he's going to have to, like, score 20 goals, like, in the next couple of games.
0: <laughs> Which um, uh, can totally happen. you just going to hat-trick a game, no big
2: deal. No, I mean... And, like, the other one, I could you could even make a good case for Brad Marchand, even though, like, we expect to be a heart-adjacent performances out of him. He has been dragging this team up and down the ice for months.
1: Oh, I, I'm really impressed. I mean, I think Brad should get another award, like, a special award just for him because he's just, like – Brad Marchand Award, excellence
2: yeah. in being Brad Marchand. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah
1: <laughs> exactly, because, honestly, he, that guy got the A this year, and he's taken it very seriously.
2: Like there is like legit heart talk for him. He's not going to win, obviously, because it's McDavid by a mile and rightfully so. He probably, I mean, he probably doesn't finish higher than third in voting, but But I bet he's at the top of the overall ranking at the end.
1: I or near it. I Mm -hmm. was looking at NHL.com last week, and there were people who were voting him, were giving him first place votes. So it's realistic, but it's not going to happen.
2: No, no, he's going to get third place at best, I think, but.
1: but that's that's remarkable. Yeah. He, he is I in wish, in the running, and that's great. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think many other teams have like a team MVP award, which is just kind of just thrown on their you know social media page. Yeah, this is one new team MVP. Um, the Bruins don't have that. That's that would be a nice award.
1: Well, they have the, all those other awards like the the Elizabeth Dufrane Award yeah. and these other awards that are voted on by writers and the gallery gods and all these different things. So, like, Brad's going to win something. We know yeah. that. But I'm just saying I have been super impressed with how Brad earned the A this year, full-time. He and Crazy are full-time A's. He has earned that A. He is out there fighting for his players. He's He is out there dragging the team up and down the ice. He is uh, – I, I can only imagine what he's like in the locker room. So, I mean, he got David Posternock to really like Barbie girl, so. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at his career stats here, too, right? So right
2: now he's at 25, 32, 57 in 44 games. To give you some idea, he never got more than 57 points in a full season until 15, 16 when Claude finally started giving him power play minutes. Yeah. And that was in 77 games.
1: He suggested <laughs> that the last couple of years he's been playing at 80%. Because of his groin issues that he finally got surgery on. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine what a full season of Brad Marshan would have looked like this year. So I'm just saying, like, Brad deserves more than seventh player. He's he, he deserves his own award here. But first player, I just I don't quite understand the the criteria for the seventh player award, apparently, because I have not been following their guidelines because I'm not in the locker room. We're not allowed to go to practices anymore. We can't do these things to determine that shit. And who has the time? But again,
2: like, again, even the understood definition is hard to work with this year because, like, the bottom six has been shit.
1: (laughs) Right. So, you know, I mean, it's like I can sit here and tick off everybody else, but I'm just saying I don't understand it and 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 I wanted to have a discussion about how I didn't understand it, so we're all- per- equally perplexed, right? and
0: if you look at recent
1: uh, I just want to write down that I uh, tell you that I have a note here that I wrote uh when I was editing a podcast from a few times ago. And I wrote, Jeff describes the four states of teams in the NHL, none of them involve plasma." <laughs> <laughs> Because okay. I was really excited. You were like, in the fourth stage, I'm like, plasma! <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, I, I can now have this confirmed. So, what's very strange about Nesson writing that version of, describing the award as the unsung hero of the team who works hard without recognition, or without expecting recognition, you will look at as recently as last year. It's described as, per Nesson. The 7th Player Award is is annually awarded to a Bruins player who has performed above and beyond expectations every day for the good of the team. So, your description is exactly as how Nesson described the award last year. So, this year, having it locked to certain players and changing the description of the award, it's strange. I'm not going to... Actually, I will lose sleep about it. I'm not going to sleep at all tonight. Um, <laughs> but, uh... I don't, I don't know what they're getting at here.
2: I, 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 mean, like maybe you change the rules because clearly the voters don't get it. Yeah. Which is how you have a you know sophomore Tyler Sagan beating Chris Kelly, who had a career year that year,
0: for example. I didn't realize, but the the award's been going on since the mid '60s. Oh
1: yeah, so many people yeah. have been.
0: Yeah. Have
1: there's been, been seven player. Yeah.
0: There's been multiple award winner winners like. Which is strange because you think when you win the seventh player award, you're like, well, I'm now expected to do well.
1: Yeah, Brad um, Marchand's won it twice. Um,
0: Pasta's won, won it, twice it twice, too. Bill Guerin won it twice. Tim Thomas won it
2: twice. What were people expecting Bill Guerin to do in the, ni- in the, in the early alts there if he were, weren't winning it twice? Because, yeah. you know, Bill Guerin was Bill Guerin his entire career and con- consistently up until retirement.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thirty goals, thirty assists. Punchy in the face.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> although in fairness, his last season, Bill Guerin probably did deserve it, but like the long game because uh, Bergeron was drafted with a compensatory pick because back then you got compensatory picks by, oh, yes. for losing guys to, Uf- to, to UFA. I forgot about that. Those old rules. Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, um, did either of you happen to catch the athletic uh, story about Tim Thomas? I did. Was it just released? Uh, Yeah, I think it was, like, yesterday or the day before. Um, It was written by Sean Shapiro. I
0: did not read it, but very, uh, I guess, ironic that a a new story was released because then uh, another one of my Twitter threads, uh, I was just kind of just talking about Tim Thomas, how he... Really, one of the strangest NHL careers we've ever seen.
2: But yeah, basically, it's like he's actually starting to engage in hockey stuff now.
3: Very good.
2: Like it's really fringe things. Like um, uh, in this case, like he's 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 putting together like a a series of NFT, non fungible token memorabilia. So he's going to sell people nothing for a whole shitload of money.
1: Yeah, good for him. Hey, go ahead. I, I mean, you know, the non fungible token is not just artwork and stuff. It's actually audio stuff. Like he's talking to his friend and like stuff that he's not talking about with, with other people. So it's like I, I get it. I look. I I am dubious of the non fungible token stuff. I'm
2: at the point where I where every time a new a new um, uh, crypto currency it pops up, I immediately mute it on Twitter. <laughs> so
1: yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not going to engage in all this stuff. You guys, you know, whoever wants that, you go do that. But. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that he's popping out. He's doing this thing. You know, it's like, uh, you know, he's actually donating part of the proceeds to other uh, like uh, brain research charities so that, you know, people can kind of work on the stuff that, you know, he's suffering from. But he's he's last year when he did the uh, 2011 reunion Zoom call that started him getting more involved with his ex-teammates and and other people.
2: Yeah, it's it's fascinating that he actually participated because he hadn't even been talking to anyone he'd played with in years.
1: I was like, so glad he did.
2: Compare it with, say, like Nathan Horton Horton wasn't part of that. Correct, like Horton and Cabralay didn't participate. Like, no, Cabralay was
1: there, but Greg Greg Campbell said something about him, like. Uh, you know, either eating a salad or laying off the pasta or something or skating a little bit, and he went off the call. Oh,
2: well, okay, because, like, every time it comes up, the screen capture, I go through and there's... is one of the no-shows and because all the screen gabs you ever see circulated for it or,
0: must be after um, he hung up. <laughs> I think had to jump off because his wife runs a food, like, restaurant, and he was delivering food.
1: Yeah, he was delivering food. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they... Uh, but Campbell also, coincidentally said something about how fat he had gotten. Aw. Campbell was an asshole. Campbell like, was drunk. Oh no 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 I get it. So yeah. many of the guys were drunk. That's so true. many were drunk, but
2: I mean I mean mucks was made about how drunk Rask was.
1: <laughs> hey, look, you know what? Uh, I I still am not offended by that. He's he just said why he was thinking? There's nothing it- wrong with if you
2: have two daughters wanting a son on, on round three. Like, mm-hmm.
1: yes, there, it's fine. You know, he, <laughs> he has accepted that he has three daughters, and who knows that one of his daughters might decide not to be a daughter at some point.
0: Yeah,
1: who cares? Um, right.
0: Th- I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a, a blue joke.
1: Yes, it, yes. So, but Greg Campbell, when he gets drunk, like it, he has a very certain sense of humor that if you cannot take it. Mm-hmm. It can be very hurtful. It's a little mean, yeah. (laughs) So it's like Marshy could take it. He and Marshy were going back and forth. Oh, there was um, and they were making fun of Johnny Boychuk, who sweet guy, not exactly fast on the uptake all the time. But, you know, my point is, is like, uh, you know, it was fun and I was glad to see Tim Thomas uh, show up and he had some technical difficulties, but they all waited him out and he came back. They allowed him to talk. They were so happy he was there because he was a big part. I mean, he was part.
2: pretty awkward and uncomfortable, but he was there.
1: <laughs> you know what? I think that's one of those things where it's like if people accept that and you accept that you're awkward and uncomfortable, but you push through, then people will want you more to be part of it they'll help you through it
2: you know the Shapiro story mentioned he's actually you know regularly texting with old employees with old teammates now like you know texted Looch for his his thousandth apparently he's been in reasonably regular contact with Rask more recently which is interesting because from everything I've understood they weren't terribly close when they were sharing the net
1: (laughs) yeah but Rask is reaching a certain age uh where maybe he can get some insight and some Oh, that's true. is in the process right now and we're certainly making a very difficult decision. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm just really happy to see it. I know in the past I've made fun of him being in the bunker. We all have. And then last year after seeing him, like for a long time, he didn't tell anybody where he was and he had actually gone
2: yeah, those stories that came out at the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame and induction. Yes,
1: yes. So he had been in Colorado, then he went to Idaho, but his wife was like, I can't take Idaho. And then they went to Florida, but Florida wasn't quite right, and now they're in Arizona. Yeah, I
0: remember the backdrop, uh, him that uh, Bruins get-together. It was gorgeous out there in Arizona. Yep. You could see the landscape.
1: But he didn't even want any part of his hockey world. He didn't want memorabilia. He didn't want any of that stuff because it was too painful for him. You know, it's it's like when you come out of like a deep depression and you start to see the world as it really is, not as you imagined it, it can be really beautiful, but it's also heartbreaking. And I think that's what he's going through right now. So good for him. I hope that he has the relationship with the hockey world that he wants, that he has a good relationship with all the people the players that helped him win a Stanley cup and, and whatever friends, you know, and I wish you the best Tim and Thomas, that's all just get yourself to a place where you're comfortable in this world. And isn't that what we all want? Mm -hmm. We all want to be that way. So good for him. Read the article. If you can, it's on the athletic, like I said, it's Sean Shapiro. So I don't know if it's under a specific part of the, uh, the athletic. So it
2: comes. So if if you have it, have a uh, Bruins tagged as your team; it'll come up on your on your opening splash page.
1: Okay, there even we though go.
2: Shapiro, I think, writes
0: on the Dallas beat. I think.
1: Well, he la- he did play for Dallas yeah. last, so yeah.
0: yeah. It's the top story on the Athletics NHL page.
1: Okay, well, there you go. It's a pretty big story, and and I read it yesterday because I was curious. Okay, so we're gonna change the topic real quick because you guys wanted to talk about. Something that happened in the last week that I understand nothing of. So you guys are going to like talk and and explain it to me. I'm going to give it to you, Jeff.
2: Okay. So there were two events in the last week that sort of brought this up. The first one was, of course, this whole Super League fiasco in European soccer which was basically the billionaire owners of about the eight or so most successful big league teams. You know, your, 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 your Manchester United, your Chelsea, your, your Tottenham Hotspur, Madrid, Barcelona, Liverpool, Milan, AC Milan, a mm-hmm. couple others. announced that they were going to be all pulling out of their existing leagues and forming this Super League, which was, among other things, um, uh, completely separate from how the sports world is structured in European leagues across sports. Which is the, the, the whole relegation advancement, um, uh, champion, uh, champion league tour- tournaments between leagues, etc., cetera, et cetera. This, of course, upset a lot of soccer fans. It was several days before I even understood what was going on. <laughs> that failed quickly because, of course, the uproar, numerous teams quickly, quickly backpedaled. The other thing that happened was uh, one of the more higher profile clubs in the Swedish league, HV71, got relegated. Hmm. So these two things, a this big thing talking about how pro sports are structured in Europe and then seeing a an reasonably important club in a reasonably important league get get bounced to the national t- uh, tier two league, that is say the alssvenkin, brought up a lot of chatter I saw about how North American hockey should have a relegation system. This of course is basically that the, the worst couple teams on the league. And end up playing a end of season tournament, and the loser gets relegated. Likewise, the best team in the tier two league. So in Sweden, the El Spenskin versus the SHL would basically swap play, swap leagues. Tends to be the same teams bouncing back and forth a lot. Mm. So basically, bubble teams. You know, mm. your AAA player. They're basically AAA teams.
1: Yeah it, yeah, it sounds like it's like ownership management issues.
2: Well, they're going to directly, you know, in in leagues without drafts ownership management issues are going to have a bigger impact on a, on on ice on ice products than they are here.
1: Doesn't the Olympics basically do a relegation thing as well? Like ice hockey because I think that the women's uh, the world German-
2: championships does. And Olympics I think the I thought the qualifiers each four year every four years for the Olympics are distinct. But the world, but, but but the world but but the world championship absolutely has a rele- and, uh, and world juniors all have relegation rounds, yes.
1: Well, I think that the German uh women's hockey team. After, what, when was the last Olympics? You know, I don't. I think it was that. Yeah, a, after 2018, they're not going to be in the Olympics because okay. uh, because of a relegation thing. So uh, that's only why I ask. Because um, now, and here's my other question: the Super League thing wasn't it the impetus behind his, uh, a lot of American ownership who was trying to convince the other teams. Yeah, to- the
2: ring, one of the ringleaders was was Stan Kronk.
1: Well, I thought John Henry was also one of them.
2: Yes. Yeah, and the Glazers. And, and, yeah. And LeBron James. So just, you know, your standard run-of-the-mill, pretty ex big-name sports, um, sports ownerships.
1: Jerks. Yeah. Yes. Hockey relegation with regards to the NHL. So...
2: so- there were some suggestions around all this because there was chatter about it about the idea. It's like, oh, North American teams should have relegation, but I don't hate the idea. Mm-hmm. But a let's just face it, an AHL franchise has next to no value. An NHL franchise is extraordinarily valuable, even a shitty one.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Second of all, Nova, North America's entire development structure would have to get scrapped. Oh yeah, you relegation. You can't have a draft. Um, The AHL is no longer a development league, it becomes an independent league, and a lot of teams own their own NHL teams, which means that wouldn't fucking work.
1: (laughs) I mean, a lot of NHL teams own their AHL team.
2: Yes. Okay. Or have, you know, management overlaps. Like, the P Bruins are not owned by the same people that own Boston Bruins, but John Ferguson Jr. is both director of player personnel and GM and GM of the uh, Providence, right? So mm-hmm.
1: Right, yeah because the guy who owns the Providence Bruins owns the Marlboro Super Center. That's why they're playing in Marlboro.
2: Mm-hmm. So, I find the idea interesting because like it, it it saves you the burden of having to watch Buffalo for a fucking decade. Oh
1: god. Those poor <laughs> I feel so much for the fans. I do. yeah, like, I don't hate Buffalo. I, I have a lot time. of
2: respect for Buffalo fans. Mm-hmm but I'm a little uh, concerned about how little respect they might have for themselves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh no, I, I'm not even that. I just, I feel like they deserve a better team than they're being given.
2: Oh, well, that's my point. They keep going back, which is like, that's why I respect them. But also where I have concerns about them.
0: <laughs> like I got some friends who are Sabres fans. They're good people. They're they They help the community. They help me out. They deserve a good hockey team. Yes. They don't, they, it's like in a. They're in a not a not an abusive dating relationship, but a, a negative dating relationship. They're, they're loyal you to lost someone makes happy.
1: Yeah, are incurring a lot of mental abuse from their yes their team, and that's not fair. We should want Buffalo to be a better team because mm-hmm. more competition makes your team better.
2: Better, yeah. I was going to say like okay so it's what's ho- it's what's keeping Boston for sure in the uh, playoff in the playoff picture and making it so so, so the Rangers just can't catch us. But juice in your standings with a bunch of with, with a bunch of games against well whatever you would fucking describe Buffalo as is like it doesn't feel right. And I know Everybody the team is already it, did though. which is why they're ahead of us but yeah. like still.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, we did that a lot with uh, the Flyers before they completely fell apart.
2: Well, that's just it. Boston kicked Flyers into next week before they, before the Flyers blew up.
1: <laughs> I was expecting a lot more from that series. I said it would be fun. It was fun in a different way. It's true. I wanted that to be competitive. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. And poor Carter Hart, I worry for him. Yeah, I mean, I see your point, but here's a here's a counterpoint about bad teams. Why don't we just take the bad teams and just put them in their own division?
3: Ooh.
2: <laughs> well, well that, that's how you end up in the immediate post-1967 era where you had the seventh best team in the league in the Stanley Cup final because... St. lose-lose. Because all of the expansion teams were in one division and the 06 were in another.
1: Yep.
0: You
2: th- Which is um. like, you can't fucking do that.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Like, if you want to punish teams for being bad and shame them to That's make true. themselves if, better. If Ottawa
2: and Buffalo fans only have to watch their team play the other one, fuck, those managements have, better, have every incentive to get better because why on earth are you still watching this shit?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I feel like, you know, because you, you can't relegate them to another league. But these teams, there's no reason why in all the time that I've been watching that Buffalo should be as shitty as they are. I have not seen you a know, competitive Apparently team. somehow
2: no incentive for management to be better. Which is weird because like um playoff revenue, increased season ticket sales,
1: increased merchandise.
2: Fifteen years
0: ago, Buffalo was actually good. President's trophy, good.
2: Again, Luch single handedly broke the franchise, and it's the yeah. most astonishing thing.
1: <laughs> I I like the idea of punishing bad teams. <laughs>
2: because you should be better but, but ultimately it's just not a compatible with how north american fans watch sports right. right and there's not enough money in it so it'll never happen
1: right but you can't feel good about your team beating up on a bad team even this week with like i was like uh we're in buffalo what were the three games uh <laughs> it was such a chore and the team also felt that way too uh also i just wanted to say that the team apparently got vaccinated during Buffalo, like 75 to 80 percent of the team got vaccinated, which might have shown up in Thursday and then consequently in Friday.
0: Ah, that would make a ton of sense.
1: Yeah, the vaccine affects everybody a little bit differently. But uh, Patrice Bergeron was out with a foot injury, so that's different. Do we have a, a solve on that or is it just? So
0: I, I, I do think it would make sense in your independent leagues, uh, your federal hockey league and the Southern Professional Hockey League. Which the skill level between those two divisions, the Federal Hockey League isn't considered to be as good, but the top teams in the Federal Hockey League are considered to be just as good as any of the teams in the Southern Professional Hockey League.
1: The yes, Federal Honky League. Federal Honky. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean that we're talking about hockey, so like, yeah, it, it, they're all
3: honky leagues.
0: Yeah, I misspoke, <laughs> um, but maybe I didn't. So I think it would make a lot of sense there, even though, okay. the reason why I follow these two leagues is because there's a federal hockey league team here in Winston. Of course, I haven't seen them this year, but it's there are a ton of fun to watch. And whenever I'm in Knoxville and of course I I went to college in Knoxville for a few years, I saw the Knoxville Ice Bears, uh, which is part of the uh, Southern Professional Hockey League. Great times at those games in considering the price point to go to a game there and the fact that I can drive 10 minutes and go to one of these games and I don't go to an NHL game or one of these minor league, super minor league games. I'm going to pick the minor league game. Um, now, if you give me a free ticket. No question where I'm going, but <laughs> all things considering better value at these minor league uh, sports. Anyway, so it would work there. I think, although I'm sure those, those leagues would disagree. But if I may get philosophical
3: mm-hmm. for a
0: moment, I find it very strange, not strange, ironic, perhaps, that the U.S., which is very much about laissez-faire economics, um, you know, capitalism, we have the much more socialist league, professional system, while in Europe, you are basically rewarded. Your hard work, spending money on the team, rewards you with staying up, up top you don't perform you drop like but in american sports no you're kind of locked in where you're at don't don't worry we'll support you we got revenue sharing even more so we have drafts in our our leagues which is very not capitalistic so the worst teams are awarded with the best new talent in any other workforce in these other leagues the best teams attract their own talent by offering the best deal what can we do to entice you to come to our team new applicant i just find that very it's very very i find it kind of funny it's ironic
2: and of uh, course do, i'm not sure i think some of those leagues might have some um, uh, regional
0: recruitment rights mm, fair enough but i'm not 100 percent on that so you you so regional okay that still makes more sense you're attracting the talent around you the most capitalistic system in the u.s for sports is oddly enough college athletics where the players aren't aren't rewarded with money <laughs> Which just crack? Yeah, that's based on great. how those Supreme Court hearings went, not for long. <laughs> uh,
1: but those those capitalists around them make lots of money. Yeah, so
0: I just kind of find it very it's like yeah, it's so strange. U.S. all about you know laissez faire. You're rewarded for your hard work, unless it's sports, where <laughs> our sports leagues do not reflect our economic structure, oh. um, at least in terms of labor. All right, I'm gonna step off my HR nerdy box and return to.
1: You know, I I want to make a couple of points here, and then we'll move on. The Pagulas also, in in addition to owning the Buffalo Sabers, they own the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills last year did very well. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can only imagine that even though the Buffalo Bills mafia is like rabid, uh, I can only imagine that th- there's been an increased demand for going to the games for merchandise and everything since they did well last year. They should look at the Buffalo Sabres that they couldn't get their fans to actually buy in their season ticket holders to actually buy tickets this year. They automatically just turned them around for resale because people didn't want to see this shit. Okay. That's (laughs) one point. Two, I think it's absolutely a, a huge shame that the Detroit Red Wings have that neat, or maybe not neat, they have that brand new arena and that it's like, you know, what, four years old now or something, mm-hmm. and they've never played well enough to, to even justify having that. I want to go there. They have a beer garden. They have Little Caesars everywhere. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> the owner used to own... Little Caesars, so it is called the pizza box. After all, mm-hmm. I have not had Little Caesars since I was a teenager, so that it's would be better interesting. than pizza.
0: Better than CC's, that's about it.
1: I've never had CC's, but uh, really? I used to be a big fan of Pizza Hut.
2: Like Little Caesars, nothing special, but like you know what. Five dollar hot and ready. Like mm-hmm. you don't go to Little Caesars to get good pizza. You go yeah. to Little Caesars to get a five dollar pizza immediately, and it delivers in the best possible way yeah. under those circumstances. Oh my god!
1: I, we used to get a flat. It, it was like a they'd have this flat cardboard box that you could fold up a little bit. They'd put two pizzas in there and some breadsticks and cover it with this like huge plat, uh, paper bag. That was and the old Caesar's the Italian
2: cheese bread is possibly the best pizza adjacent, not quite pizza um, side. There is. Mm. I
0: actually, I, I like uh, Little Caesars um, more than Domino's. And I know Domino's did this huge rebranding and making their pizza better. I still think it tastes like shit. More, get, I, like still, I still take take Little Caesars every time. And it's cheaper. Yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you know what? Domino's listeners, you like Domino's? Good for you. You like meh, pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. You know what? No, at me. At me. I'll argue all day long.
2: At me, <laughs> I'm not getting the door. It's not Domino's. It's Pizza Pizza, motherfuckers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what Little Caesars is up there uh, in Canada? Well, pizza Pizza's been their thing like since I was yeah. a kid. Oh no 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 no! I remember Pizza Pizza, but I, I've also seen on like you know the boards at uh, or you know uh, at at hockey games they'll have a Pizza Pizza. Is that a different no, thing pizza, in Canada?
2: Pizza a different. a chain unto itself. We have both <gasps> Pizza Pizza. I would say that, yeah, yeah, I'll say um, Little Caesars is both cheaper and especially when once adjusting for price, much better.
1: Hmm. Man, I'm going to have to go to Westboro now and get me some Little Caesars because cl- that's the closest one to me. So I have not had it in years. So, all right. Well, there we go. So if you would like to talk to us about pizza, we'll give you that information in a little while where you can contact us. All right, so guys, we should probably talk about the Games of the Week and wrap up the show.
2: Okay, Games of the Week. Well, we start this week off... Oh, I'm on the wrong month. Hang on, there we go. In about five minutes. uh, (laughs) 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 That's 3 p.m. Eastern Time against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Follow that up on Tuesday. That's the 27th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time again in Pittsburgh against Pittsburgh. It would be weird if it was in Pittsburgh against against Philadelphia. I kind of want that to happen just because that would make no sense. But anyway. (laughs) And then the back half of the week, uh, more fucking Buffalo. (laughs) Um, On Thursday, the 29th, 7 p.m. Eastern time at the Garden. Yeah. Buffalo Sabres. And then next Saturday, that's May 1st, a huge manatee game. It's the last one, thank fuck, against Buffalo.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. Whew. Wow. I cannot believe that we are this far so in April. Buffalo
2: games in such a small period of time. Six in three weeks. What? Wow. That is so much. To give you some idea, that's the total number of games against other teams Boston will have played in that time.
1: that's just the fucking way it goes as you're fun to say (laughs) or that's the way it just fucking goes oh all right well yeah well okay so uh, penguins and the sabers this week oh boy all right at least I don't have to watch the sabers on our anniversary so hooray okay do the thing Jeff
2: okay well Listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found, including that other one someone recently found. Podcast Addict. (laughs) Wow. As I've been inviting people for ages, if you find us us somewhere else, let us know. Podcast Addict. Yes. Um, You can talk to us on Twitter. We're at Barely on Topic. And on Facebook, we're at Barely on Topic Podcast. And then, of course, there are individual Twitter accounts. Uh, Jeff, I'm at Dr. Hand Grenade.
0: I'm Nick Badger.